Welcome to Funds in Focus by the senior members of the investment strategy team at FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. Join our experts as they explore how current market trends are shaping the investment landscape. In each episode, you'll learn how a specific FlexShares ETF operates and how the market has impacted the fund along with the potential long-term implications of your client portfolio. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to Funds in Focus. I'm your host, Jehan Mady, and today we welcome back to the show, Chris Humer, Senior Investment Strategist. Good to have you back, Chris. Hi, Jan. Good to be back on the podcast. So, Chris, I know today you wanted to talk about factors, but before we get started, I wanted to give our listeners a quick refresher on the topic. Briefly, can you give us an overview of what we mean when we talk about factors and how do we define factors at FlexShares ETFs? Sure. That sounds like a great idea. When we talk about factors, we are specifically looking to identify systematic ways to invest that have historically been tested and they're tied to economic rationales that lead to statistically significant incremental returns over time. I know that's a mouthful, so let me try and unpack that some. Really what factors are trying to do is at the most basic level, explain the returns of the market. Let's start with a model that we all learn when in any econ or finance class, Bill Sharp's Capital Asset Pricing Model, or CAPM for short. You know, CAPM really was the first model that looked to explain returns by tying expected returns to risk. This is so foundational in how we invest, linking risk and return together and is the basis of metrics like the Sharpe Ratio, which attempts to quantify return per unit of incremental risk. CAPM focuses on one factor or signal, market price volatility or or beta, to explain returns. And empirical data shows that market beta historically explains between 70 and 75% of returns based on that single input. Now, Eugene Fama and Ken French, two academics, expanded on this work looking at other factors that may help explain return. In their 1992 paper, uh, they settled on two additional factors, size, basically small cap companies versus large cap companies, and value, meaning undervalued companies versus overvalued companies, where undervalued is favored and uh, smaller cap companies are favored. And what they found is that those two factors combined with market beta could explain about 90% of historical mutual fund returns. Over time, it has been generally accepted that there are five or six factors that help explain returns beyond beta. Size, value, like we just talked about, momentum, low volatility, and quality. Additionally, you know, if you're in the, in the difference between five or six factors, uh, dividend yield, which is closely tied to value, many consider uh, as a six separate factor from value. So if you're talking about six and scoring at home, size, value, momentum, low volatility, quality, and dividend yield. Thanks, Chris. So to put it succinctly, when we talk about factors, we're looking to target systematic patterns in the market that have historically explained returns on top of what a market-weighted index provided. Why do we believe that these factors will work in the future? You know, Jihan, that's a great question. And to put it candidly, 
No one can guarantee what worked in the past will absolutely work again in the future. But each of these factors have been well-documented to have worked over significant periods of time, both in sample and out of sample, meaning that they generally have been observed outside of that, testi- uh, of that testing window that academic work support used to support each of these factors. Now, it's important to understand that all of these factors go in cycles, and there are prolonged periods where they may not outperform. But historically, each of these has been shown to deliver statistically significant returns over a full factor cycle. And that time and that term full factor cycle is important and should not be confused what the full business cycle, if you think about, you know, we're not talking about expansions and contractions, nor are we talking about a market cycle where, you know, bull and bear in markets. The factor cycle is unique and it should not be confused for each of those. And what we find is that each of these factors has a unique factor cycle. And it's important that you understand that when you do the research and when you invest in these factors. So you mentioned six factors that we target in some of our strategies. I've seen research discussing over 300 different factors. Can you help reconcile the difference there? Yeah, absolutely. Language and terminology is very important here. And oftentimes when people are loose with terminology, it can lead to confusion. What is described in that research paper that I think you're talking about, it actually is different metrics used to measure the factors and not the factors themselves. So, for example, when we talk about the value factor, we could measure it by evaluating book value uh, divided by market value, or we could measure it as earnings divided by price. Both of those metrics are attempting to determine how much book value, earnings, cash flow you're getting per dollar you spend. They are measuring similar things, just in different ways. And so when we look at those 300 different metrics, really they can be codified and connected to those six factors that I mentioned before. At FlexShares, one of our core beliefs is that the best way to evaluate a factor exposure is by using multiple metrics to paint the best mosaic of that factor. Whenever we look at any of those products, and whenever you look at any of our products, what you'll notice is that when we use factors, you will most likely see that we're using several different metrics or lenses to make up that value, quality, momentum, and volatility factor that we're using. Generally speaking, size and, and, and yield are much more linear, but generally speaking, we find that multiple metrics work best when we look at factors. Yeah, that's a great explanation. So thank you for the background. And now looking at how factors have done in the first quarter of 2021, We've seen value off to a good start for the year. Do you have any insight on the value factor's performance? And is there anything we need to consider about that performance? Yeah, you know, I I think that's, it's good to put it in perspective. So we need to put Q1 in perspective of, of 2020 and really the pandemic environment specifically, because what we saw in 2020, a term that I've used for a couple of years now is, 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 this terminology of a growth desert, that there's been few opportunities for growth in the market today. And so that those opportunities that do exist tend to be overly focused on by investors and they invest heavily in those opportunities. And particularly when you look at 2020, you saw that really become magnified and the few growth opportunities there were, and they tended to be tied to the work from home environment. Those were invested heavily by investors 
And you saw that in, in, in those companies that performed well throughout the crisis. What we've seen this year, and, and even towards the end of last year, was that as economies have returned somewhat to normalcy, a broader repricing has taken place. And we've seen a mean reversal of those prices, benefiting those companies that were undervalued during the pandemic. That's actually been even magnified greater when we look at what happened in 2020, because essentially we saw what was the term that people have used as a K-shaped recovery, where certain sectors benefited significantly more than other sectors last year and when we entered the recovery. Those sectors uh, that tended to perform the worst, energy and financials and real estate, also are heavily weighted in value strategies when you do not employ sector controls. So what we've seen, particularly in Q1, is that's reversed and sectors like energy and financials have done well. So if you're looking at an unconstrained value strategy, you tend to see that they've done well because of those factor exposures, excuse me, those sector exposures. But really, if you break it down even further and you look at a sector neutral approach, truly value has outperformed. And you see that performance when you look at it on a sector neutral basis as well. Really, value hasn't been the only factor to do well in the first quarter. What other factors have we seen do well? Along with value, the size factor continues to do well. It started to do well towards the end of 2020, and that's persisted over the first couple months of the year. In addition, quality has come on over the, the second two months of the quarter. So what we saw in February and in March is that quality has also started to do well as investors have put a greater emphasis on the financial health of a company in addition to the valuation. And with both size and value doing well, I'm sure that you have been having conversations regarding our FlexShares Morningstar U.S. Market Factor Tilt Index Fund that incorporates both size and value into its methodology. Can you walk us through Tilt's unique methodology and how it looks to get its factors exposure differently than many other factor strategies? Yeah, absolutely. What makes the index methodology behind Tilt so unique is that unlike a lot of strategies that look to own undervalued companies and avoid overvalued companies, Tilt seeks to own the total investable universe as defined by Morningstar, who's the index provider behind the fund. The index looks to get its exposure to value and size factors, not by selecting companies, but by simply adjusting the weights of the constituents so that there is an incremental increase in the weight to smaller and undervalued companies. The the best way to think about this is if you're thinking about kind of that grid of style boxes that Morningstar uses between large cap value core and growth, mid cap value core and growth and small cap core value and growth. If you had that three by three grid of cups and you just took some of the water out of that, that large cap buckets and allocated it to, to smaller cap buckets and same thing from growth to value, you would see that that's kind of the process that's happening here. The way Morningstar seeks to accomplish this is by classifying companies in those various market cap bands I just talked about, large cap, mid cap, small cap, and micro cap. And then within each of those bands, evaluating companies based on five valuation metrics, price to book, price to earnings, price to cash flow, price to sales, and dividend yield. What they then do is apply a regression analysis to determine how much they need to adjust the weights of each of the securities that are in the universe to achieve the targeted size and value exposures desired. 
And our conversation today has been centered around how factors have performed in the U.S. Do you have any insight on how factors have done in, at, in international markets? Absolutely. So, you know, when we looked at developed international markets over the course of the first quarter, typically the factor exposures have been very similar to what we, we've experienced here in the U.S., what's value, dividend, dividend yield, and size all doing well. Though size was not as pronounced, the outperformance of size was not as pronounced in developed international markets as what we saw here in the States. And then from an emerging markets perspective, joining value, dividend yield, and size, both low volatility and quality also were positive in, in EM markets over Q1 as well. So uh, in that case, five of the six factors outperformed. Great. Any closing thoughts, Chris? I know we, we talked a lot about factors today. It's important to know that we are not a proponent for timing, uh, trying to time factors as very few are able to time these things properly. Our belief is that having a nuanced a nuance factor approach to like you see in the tilt product is really an excellent way of going about getting prolonged factor exposure in a core asset allocation. Thank you, Chris. We're at our time for today. So again, wanted to thank you for joining us and It'll be interesting to see how the world takes on factors. Thanks, Jihan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Funds in Focus. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, go.flexshares.com slash funds in focus. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. There's no guarantee that a specific strategy will be successful. ETFs are subject to specific risks, depending on the nature of the underlying strategy of the fund. These risks could include liquidity risk, sector risk, as well as risks associated with fixed income securities, real estate investments, and commodities, to name a few. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC, Distributor. An investment in FlexShares is subject to numerous risks, including possible loss of principal. Fund returns may not match the return of the respective indexes. A full description of risks is in the prospectus. FlexShares Morningstar Registered U.S. Market Factor Tilt Index Fund, TILT, is passively managed and uses a representative sampling strategy to track its underlying index. Use of a representative sampling strategy creates tracking risk where the fund's performance could vary substantially from the performance of the underlying index along with the risk of high portfolio turnover. It is subject to concentration risk. The fund's investments are concentrated in the securities of the issuers in a particular market, industry, sector, or asset class. The fund may be subject to increased price volatility and may be more susceptible to adverse economic, market, political, or regulatory occurrences affecting that market, industry, sector, or asset class. 
The fund may also invest in derivative instruments. Changes in the value of the derivative may not correlate with the underlying asset, rate, or index, and the fund could lose more than the principal amount invested. The Morningstar U.S. Market Factor Tilt Index is the intellectual property, including registered trademarks, of Morningstar and or its licensors, which is used under license. The securities based on the index are in no way sponsored, endorsed, sold, or promoted by Morningstar and its licensors, and neither of the licensors shall have any liability with respect thereto.